Good morning, family. Good morning, family. Man, my name is Wayne, as David has so eloquently pointed out. Uh, not going to lie, I was terrified that day. Um, standing in front of the mayor, especially Ahmad's dad, it was, I did not expect to actually be talking with someone that was so close to Ahmad. You know, I kind of expected to talk to maybe one of his cousins 10 times removed. But um, to have the opportunity to, to speak with Ahmad's dad and to see his quiet strength, even in the midst of you know, his pain, which is something, and to be able to have that opportunity to travel uh, with those that I went with, it, it was life-changing. I wouldn't change anything uh, about that experience. I'm grateful to my brother David. Um, as he said, we haven't really known each other long, but um, I'm of the belief that you don't have to know somebody long to know them well. So um, yeah, we're connected at the hip now. His mom already adopted me. You know, it, it is what it is. But <laughs> um, grateful to see so many familiar faces uh, from that trip also, as he said. Um, shout out also to my, my brother Jay Will back there. He actually tagged me and my wife in to that trip. So grateful to God that, you know, in his providence, he saw fit to, to have us there. So speaking of which, my wife and my daughters are there as well. Thank God for them. Um, with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to be reading from John, the sixth chapter. Verses 22 through 35. Again, that's John 6, verses 22 through 35. And it reads, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw Jesus, that when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly I say to you, You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I got a general question for everybody in the room. Have you ever seen those food commercials that kind of have your mouth watering? Have you ever been disappointed by the fact that when you actually got to the restaurant, it did not look or taste as good as was advertised? I hate that, man. I, I, 
you have a taste for something like, I don't know, you go to your favorite chicken wing spot or pizza spot, right? And, you know, on the commercial, the sauce is dripping off the wings and, you know, you see them dip it in ranch. It's almost like a slow motion capture that comes out there and, oh, it just looks great. Or the cheese is melting off the pizza, you're pulling it apart. And then you get to the restaurant and there's patches on the pizza where the cheese is missing and there's not enough sauce and the chicken is burnt. And, you know, there's this, it doesn't look like it's advertised. I've had that experience before and I, I don't like it. I really don't. Um, now, why, why in general does that disappoint us? I think as consumers, and we all are very much a consumeristic society, we mostly expect that the advertisement gives an accurate assessment of the product, or at least it should, right? So when our expectations aren't met, we tend to view either the product maker, supplier differently and complain about the product. Y'all misled me. <laughs> I thought the chicken was gonna look and taste this way and it's something totally different. Now, this is not a perfect comparison. All analogies fall short, obviously, but I think that scenario kind of paints a good picture of what the crowd felt in our text as it related to Jesus. Because what Jesus had initially advertised based on his signs, based on his healing, they were looking for something related to that. And now they get to a point to where, wait a minute, this is not what we thought. But before we get to that, I want us to do some self-reflection. And I want to ask everybody this question. What feeds you? What, what feeds you? What gives you life? What gives you fulfillment? Now, there, there are several scientific, historical, philosophical thoughts regarding the basic needs of human beings. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I, I do want to kind of tie in and touch on six that, that generally are, are pretty common. Uh, we all need love and connection, right? We, we all need that. Um, we all need certainty. We need safety and security. We all need variety. Change is good. It's not always easy, but it's good for us. We need significance. We need to feel like we're unique. We need to feel like that we have value. We need to feel important. We need to feel like that we're needed. We need some sense of independence as well. We need growth. We need to feel like that you know, we have the capacity to expand, to grow and develop in our understanding. And we need to feel like we, can't, we contribute. We need contribution. We need to feel like that what we do, what we say matters. I think we can all agree that these are needs, but what is it that we use to try to fill those needs? I mean, aside from food, which is, you know, obvious, we use friends, we use family, relationships, marriage, sex. Those things are kind of things that we use in regards to love and affirmation. We, we look for love and affirmation in those things. We look for uh, a sense of contribution and fulfillment in politics, in job and career and accomplishments, education, entertainment, even in ministry and in church work, in theology, it's very possible to get up here, even in this pulpit or in the seats, and think that the church work that we do affirms us, gives us a sense of service and contribution. 
those needs that we have, we, we tend to look to these things to feed those needs. Here's the problem, though. All of those feeders that we tend to feed on, if we're honest with ourselves, they don't completely satisfy us. Listen, my wife is here. I, I love her. We've been married for 12 going on 13 years. I love my wife to life. But I can't expect my wife to completely fill the need for love and affirmation. That's unfair for me to put that expectation on her because that's only something that God can fill. And as wonderful as marriage is, as wonderful as relationships are, as wonderful as all these things that we feed on are, they're just not enough. You'll never get a, a full satisfaction from these feeders. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, TikTok, Instagram. You know, when, when I hit yours, let me know, okay? Uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, ESPN Plus. I could go down the list, okay? All of us binge on these things. And if we're real with ourselves, we always walk away empty. It was entertaining for the moment. It was cool. But then what? We walk away empty. We walk away really feeling that we've wasted a good bit of time on something that didn't really satisfy. Boils down to one simple truth, everyone. One simple yet understated and underrated truth. We need Jesus. Now, it seems basic. It seems elementary. It seems like, oh, well, we, let's just move on. We know that. I mean, it's obvious. And yet, there are things that we know intellectually that don't really apply in our lives like they should. It doesn't hit us where we live all the time. But we need Jesus. I mean, really, really need Jesus. The crowd missed this point. And they missed it badly. <laughs> John 6 and 2, for instance, they, before they even got the 5,000 you know, feeding that we, we, we so... We look to so famously, you know, as one of the most, you know, profound of Jesus' miracles. Before they even got that nice meal, the reason why they came to Jesus was because they'd seen Jesus heal sick people. They saw the signs that he was performing in relation to healing the sick. In John chapter 4, they saw him heal this official son. This was, this was a really cool miracle. So this official comes up to Jesus and says, you know, hey, my son is sick. Jesus kind of, you know, rebukes him and says, look, man, y'all... Y'all are not going to really believe on me unless y'all have some kind of sign. So tell you what, you just go on home and believe that your son is healed. Seems kind of harsh, you know, from the onset, but this man believes Jesus, goes home, finds his son healed, asks his servants, you know, hey, when did this happen? And finds that it was at the very same hour that Jesus actually made the proclamation that he would be healed. Or if you want to go further, uh, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, lame for over 38 years. Jesus comes, singles him out of all those people, says, do you want to be made whole? Heals the man. People had seen this. People were paying attention to this. So this crowd here, prior to them being fed by the 5,000, this is the reason why they were coming to Jesus. They're like, this, this, this guy's pretty dope. He's amazing. This is something that we've never seen before. Now, after Jesus fed them in John 6 and 14, the crowd then became convinced 
but wait a minute, he's not just a healer. This, this may be the, actually the prophet that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 18 and 15. This, this prophet that Moses said, you know, the Lord your God will raise up for you like me from among, you, from among your brothers. It's him you should listen to. So they started to connect Jesus with Moses. Now, that was a little bit better than just looking to Jesus as, you know, a miracle healer or whatever. But it still came up short because they kind of put Jesus in the same category as Moses. It's better, you're getting there, but it's still short-sighted. And they continue to miss the point. So Jesus says to them in John 6, 26 to 29, truly, truly, I say to you, because prior to that, they, they'd come up to Jesus and, and said, you know, well, Rabbi, how did you get here? It's funny because I didn't notice this before. But when, after the feeding of the 5,000, when the disciples move on and go to the other side, Jesus actually didn't get with them on the boat. So the crowd sees the disciples get on this boat. They see Jesus go off somewhere to the mountain. The disciples get to the other side. Now, the crowd is stuck looking at this like, okay, we, so we saw the disciples go over there. We get over there and we see Jesus. Jesus, how'd you get here? <laughs> Of course, they missed the part where Jesus came down from the mountain, met the disciples in the Sea of Galilee, and went from there to the other side. So when they asked Jesus, hey, how did you get here? Jesus doesn't really answer the question. He more so says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So Jesus is really kind of redirecting their attention. That's not the question you should be asking. Don't worry about how I got here. Here's what you should be focusing on. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So you all have come to me really for the nice meal that I gave you. That's all good, but don't work for food that perishes. Your appetites need to be bigger than that. Work for the food that will actually feed you to eternal life. Now, they say to him, like we probably would in this situation, because in, in our American mindsets, you know, if we have something we want or need, we work for it. So, Jesus, tell me what I got to do. I'm a, I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I'm going to work for this. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus gives them a, a, a very interesting answer. He says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now, that contradicts our thinking. Because again, we think, well, if I want something, I go out and get it. I work for it. I work towards it. And yet Jesus says, no, the way you get what you want is to believe in the work that's already been done for you. You don't earn this. You just receive what's given. That kind of was a bit of a shock to them, as it is to us. And it's something that, truth be told, we, we don't really grasp all the time. I, I think we, we get so caught up in trying to earn God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, God's compassion. It's already given. The work that you do is to believe. So, 
with this kind of befuddled mindset, they say, okay, well, we need another sign. Y'all are missing the point, okay? You came to me first. (laughs) You came to me first because I healed a bunch of people. You saw these miracles. I just fed you from a little boy's lunch. There were about 15,000 of you total, 5,000 men plus women and children. I took two fish and five loaves of bread and had 12 baskets left over after I fed you. That's a sign. What else do y'all need? Of course, this is what I imagine Jesus was thinking, but, you know, Jesus, being that he's not as petty as we are, um, (laughs) didn't really, you know, give them the business like I would have liked to. But, I mean, that's in essence what they said. Well, we need another sign. Jesus, your fish and bread trick was cool, but our ancestors ate manna from heaven. Beat that. And Jesus course corrects, as he lovingly and graciously does. So in verse 30, verses 32 to 35, he says to them, truly, truly, I tell you, it was not Moses that gave you the bread from heaven. Again, they had, they had attributed Jesus's influence to that of Moses. They put him in the same category. And Jesus is like, no, don't compare me to Moses. Don't put me in that, 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 that category. I'm bigger than he is. I'm greater than he is. Moses didn't give you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, the bread you got in the wilderness was only a precursor to me. It was pointing to me. So don't get so caught up in what happened in the wilderness with your ancestors. That was just a pointer to me. Don't compare me with Moses. I'm more than the prophet that he predicted. I'm more than that strong, forceful powerful political deliverer that you think you need. Because that was really a lot, of, a lot of what the Jews were really seeking. They were seeking a Messiah that would deliver them from Roman oppression. So when Jesus comes along and makes all these various claims about a kingdom of God that it's at hand and coming, they're like, they're, they get excited at first. Well, yeah, finally, we get out of these Roman chains and yet it doesn't play out like they think it should. They say to him, well, sir, give us this bread always. Again, they missed the point. Jesus just said to them, I'm the bread. Well, give us this bread. No, no, no. I'm the bread. (laughs) Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm not exactly what you're looking for. But I'm exactly what you're looking for. No, I don't come in the package that you think I should. But I come in the package that you need. I am the one who satisfies. So all of these other feeders that we tend to look to, again, family, friends, relationships, politics, job, career, accomplishments, there's nothing inherently evil about these things. But the reality is they can't do for us what Jesus can do for us. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's hard to imagine feasting on something that will actually completely satisfy our hunger and our thirst. I'm not sure that's something that we can really wrap our minds around. 
coming away from something and being fully satisfied? Like as in we, we don't need anything else. I don't know if we can really wrap our minds around that, and yet that's what Jesus is offering. And the offer goes to the unbeliever and to the believer. And it still stands. The invitation is still extended to the unbeliever. Those of you in here who don't know Jesus, look, come, repent of your sin, be reconciled, become a part of the family, come to the feast. You're invited to the cookout because Jesus does not just save, but he satisfies. His atoning work on the cross intended to bring justice for our sins was not just about that. It was also about giving us life and that more abundantly. The life that we have the opportunity to have in Christ satisfies. It's not about being miserable. It's not about being drudgery. It's not about being... There's just so much more to it than that. Yes, there'll be pain. Yes, there'll be trials and tribulations. Yes, there'll be all of those things. But it's abundant life. And if you don't know Jesus, the invitation is extended. To the believer, to those of us that do know Jesus, we need a reminder constantly that Jesus is not like the things that we use to feed those needs. He's better. As Pastor David pointed out earlier, we continually go back to those things because we're comfortable with them. But the reality is they don't do what Jesus does. And as basic as the idea that we need Jesus is, it needs to constantly be rehearsed in our minds. He is not a means to an end. He is the end. He is the end. Psalm 34 and 8 puts it this way. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Boils down to this. Jesus is the living bread. And unlike those false advertisements that we talked about before, he always surpasses what's advertised. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that brings correction, that brings conviction, that brings encouragement, that reaffirms our need for you. God, we're so sorry that we've sought fulfillment and satisfaction in earthly things, even in people. We're so sorry, God, that we've tried to replace you with things. And yet we're so grateful, God, that you're patient with us and you're compassionate and that you reveal to us our need for you. Help us now to not only hear your word, but to be a doer of your word in this moment and to seek you more and more each day with the assurance that we will be satisfied. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.